Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spirit Alive Network, Tell It Tuesdays with your host, Lester Carver. Today we're going to be discussing living without fear. But before we get started, I'd like to open with a word of prayer and a song of praise. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, God. I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for how much you love us, God. Thank you for your education around us and all that we do, God. Father, I thank you for how you love us and you love our family, God. We thank you for how awesome you are, God. We praise you. We magnify you. We lift you up, God. You're greatly to be praised. There's no other like you in heaven or earth or under the earth, God. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy being ours each and every day. We thank you for the grace and the favor that we walk in, God. Father, we thank you for you having given us a heart to give and to love and to serve and to sacrifice and to share in the sufferings of Christ because you also have called us to share in the glory with your son, Jesus Christ, God. We thank you for how you are going to reveal who we really are in your son, Jesus Christ, when your son returns, when you send him. I thank you for this right now in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to listen to the song of praise right now. Speak to my heart. I know what to do. 
won't go alone I'll never go on my own Just to trust me God And let your word above Speak to my heart, Lord Yeah, honey Yeah, Bring them 
to a place of reality in our life because we are believers. We must believe what the Word of God says, and and that's going to require action on our part. Action is going to have to correspond with what we say we are in agreement with that is in the Word of God. So what I want to share with you tonight is what is in the Word of God so that you can then act on what God's Word says and not what the circumstances say, not what Peter says, not what the newspapers say, not what the news says, but you have to learn how to stand on what God's Word says so that you are not overwhelmed with doubt, worry, and fear, and unbelief. So let to look first in Second Timothy, and we're going to look at chapter 1, verse 6. And, and it says, for this reason I remind you, the Apostle Paul, to fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This is what I want you to latch on to and remember is the spirit of God that you received when you were born again. You made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. It does not make you timid. But it gives you power, it gives you love, it gives you self-discipline. And this is what removes fear from you. This is what places you in a place of power and praise and privilege, no matter what the circumstances they run. And then what we learn is that the power of the Holy Spirit within us empowers us to walk out what we talk about in the world as Christians. See, many times the people that we are living epistles for, we are exemplifying the life of Christ in front of them. They are the very people who are criticizing us condemning, complaining, and and throwing false accusations at us, etc. And we have to love past that because it's our patient endurance that wins those people to really believing, not just talking about being Christians, but when they see spirit manifested in your life consistently, and produce consistently in your life, then over time, they are one to the kingdom. And they understand this isn't a show, this isn't a game, that power of the Holy Spirit within you is real. So I want to look at another passage of scripture that is going to reinforce what I just shared with you about the power of the Holy Spirit within you, making you bold, not making you fearful, and giving you love and power in a disciplined mind. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Whereby know ye the spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of the Antichrist, where ye have heard that it should come. And even now, already is in the world. See, one of the things that you see is the spirit of the Antichrist is that which speaks against, against Jesus Christ being sent by his Father into the world. And we know that that is a false spirit. But look at what it says in verse 4 of 1 John chapter 4. It says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's the same thing we just got done reading in 2 Timothy 1.7, where it says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind, right? It says, greater is the Holy Spirit in you, Christ in you, than he that is in the world, than any devil spirit opposition you're going to face in the world. The Holy Spirit in you is greater. Verse 5, they are the world. Therefore, they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. See, the world is going to respond to those who are worldly, right? But what's it say in verse 6? It says, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. See, there are two spirits. There's the spirit of truth and there's the spirit of error. The spirit of error does not hear us. But it hears the world. But the spirit of truth does hear us, does respond to us. One of the ways that we can know where to spend our time in ministry, those who respond to the voice of God, respond to the love of God, those are the ones who are called of God. So let's see what it says again about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And the reason I want to share this with you is because love becomes the key here. See, living in fear doesn't just happen on its own. Fear is a condition of not walking in love, and you're going to see this more clearly. Verse 8, he that loveth knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifest. The love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sins. Jesus Christ was the payment for our sins. That's that big word, propitiation, is payment. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So now we see how God's love is perfected in us as we love one another. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. See, God dwells in us because he's given us his spirit. Verse 14 and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So our testimony is that God sent his Son to be.
whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love was made perfect, and this is where I'm getting to. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, once again, how are we made perfect in love? It is by being loving. It is by loving others. It is by loving one another. And as we love one another, fear is cast out. Because perfect love, that love for one another, casteth out fear. And fear is what we want to go in our eyes, what we want to dispel, because fear has torment. See, you're afraid. It is what invites into your life illness, disease, stress, sickness, mental conditions, mental illness. And this is the fruit of being in love, not learning how to extend grace and mercy to others as God has extended grace and mercy to you. God loves you so much that he's forgiving you of everything you're ever going to do and everything you ever have done. When you receive the blood of Jesus Christ in your life that covers all of your sins. That's pretty big. So when God tells you, I need you to love one another, those who transgress against you are not going to against you more than you sin against God. So God is not asking you to do something that is unfair, he's asking you to acknowledge how much he has forgiven you for, how much he has has loved you for. And when you do this, then you don't have to worry about God's protection around you, God's hedge of protection around you, God's angels encamped about you, God's power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You don't have to worry about that because you know your love walk is tight. You love sacrificially. You share in the sufferings of Christ. You accept the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly in others so that they can glean from your example of what it looks like to be a living epistle, to be an example of the power of the Holy Spirit in the earth testifying about Jesus Christ being the salvation of the world so that we can win all souls back to God, back to the kingdom. We can reconcile them back. And we know that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear of torment, he that fears is not made perfect in love. So our goal is to become perfect in love, to practice our love walk to such an extent that when we think about opening our mouths 
to complaining or to criticize or condemn, we we stop ourselves from saying what we're thinking. We're human, so we might think, we might be tempted to say something we should not say. But <laughs> we still can renew our mind to the word and keep our mouth shut because that is what invites all the rest of the nonsense in our life. When we don't renew our mind to the word, when we don't control our mouth, when we don't control our mind, and then we just obey God and do what God has asked us to do and love sacrificially, serve sacrificially, love the unlovable, go into places we know we will never see a return, give to those who will never appreciate what you did, sacrifice before God because God sees and not need others to acknowledge how wonderful you've been in that. God knows what counts, and that's what walking in love is about. We are to love as Christ loved. We love him because he first loved us. And verse 20 says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Remember it said early on, no man has seen God at any time, right? It says you're a liar if you say you love your brother but you love an invisible God because he's spirit, right? Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also, frees you and delivers you from sin is walking in love. I want to get a little deeper on this so that you can really, really Make this a part of your understanding. In Colossians chapter 3, we are to live as those who are made alive in Christ. And in Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. See, we're to be focused on things above where, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, what we know is when Jesus Christ returns, we, the dead in Christ, are going to rise. Either our, our lives are going to be changed, and we're going to be caught up in the air to meet them with Christ, and in that transformation, in that change, that's where we're going to see who we are. When our mortal puts on immortality and our carnal puts on that which is not carnal, (laughs) we are going to be like him. Verse 5. To death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all these 
such as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. See, God is renewing you. He's renovating you. If you've ever seen any of these these home home programs where they renovate the old house and tear out all the old stuff and they update everything according to modern codes and use new materials and make it new and it feels like a new house. That's what God's doing with you. Verse 11 says here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and is in all. See, so we have to understand that there is no discrimination with God in the body of Christ. We are all one, and we are all made in the image of the Creator. We are being renewed in knowledge in the image of our Creator. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. We wouldn't leave our house naked. Right? So we don't step out into the world without being clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These things are our preference. They identify us as being God's chosen people. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, form love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, once again, love is being elevated above all because this is what distinguishes us as sons of God, children of God. God is love, and love is God. And those who love know God, and those who do not love do not know, know, they do not know God. We don't want to be associated with people who couldn't possibly know God because they hate, they breathe hate, they walk hate, they sleep hate, they live and die in hate. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and, and admonish one another with all with through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. See, God has designed this thing so that there is no way for you to mess it up when you do it his way. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be without sickness, without disease, without stress. But what causes sickness, disease, and stress and mental illness is fear. What causes fear is not walking in love. The reason you would not walk in love is because 
granted or fail to acknowledge how much God has forgiven you for, how much God has loved you, how much mercy that is merited judgment withheld God has saved you from instead of punishing you as you deserve to be punished, God said that he already paid for your punishment with his son Jesus Christ at Calvary. So you can receive your forgiveness, get up and keep keep it moving. And as you are permitted by God to get up and keep it moving, you should permit others to get up and when they transgress against you. Are you greater than God? No. And yet God forgave you, correct? Absolutely. So what are we to do? We're to forgive others. And when we acknowledge that's what we're doing, when we forgive others, all we're doing is acknowledging how much God has forgiven us for. What we're doing is we're positioning ourselves to be free of fear, to live a life of wholeness, because we're not going to be keeping score in rage and anger and malice and bitterness and envy and greed because we're trying to get even with someone. Instead, we're going to be receiving the love from God so that we can distribute the love of God to others and perfect our love walk so that we are free from fear and do not have torment, sickness, disease, mental illness, the like. God needs us to be free. Our decision, our decision. We're the ones who get to decide how we live. We're the ones who get to decide if we are in darkness or in light. And we have a serious calling on our life. God has a purpose for the entire body of Christ that we as a body of Christ must mature to. We must develop into this place of power where we are not afraid no matter what happens, no matter what comes, because the power of the Holy Spirit within us has to be real. We have to have signs, miracles, and wonders following those who believe regularly because we've renewed our mind to the word and our love walk is perfected. See, when the world looks at us and they see us loving the unlovable, seeing the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly that comes with serving God, God is glorified. Souls are one for the kingdom. They know that only through the power of the Holy Spirit can you achieve those types of things. And that's how we set ourselves apart. So when you look at the body of Christ today in its current condition, everybody knows that we have arrived. They know that the love walk of Christians is not fully perfected and yet on its way. It is Sitting there, we are perfecting our love walk. And yet, right now, we're still divided. 
temporarily, of course, because we know that God promises there is a time of maturity for the body of Christ. I want to read with you in Ephesians chapter 4, speaking of unity and maturity in the body of Christ. And this says, Apostle Paul, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, I know we've read this three or four other times in three or four other places, but that's because God wants you to get it. God is reinforcing what he needs you to do so that you are not bound by fear, sickness, disease, mental illness. Verse 3, make every effort to Keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That is something that takes an effort on our part. And I know it's not easy because I'm human and I'm here on earth with right with There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave, what does it say? He ascended. Meaning, what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe or in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, gave the prophets, gave the evangelists, gave the pastors, gave the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, can be edified until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ, the fullness of Christ. So we're to attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, God gave Jesus Christ, and Christ gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to be equipped for the works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up, can be edified until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. See, we have to become mature. We have to become developed. We have to become strong in the Lord. We have to perfect our love walk so that we can dispel fear from our life so that we're not walking around in doubt, worry, and fear and unbelief and inviting sickness and disease, illness and mental illness into our life. And that we can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We can walk in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. We have to learn that the Bible is the only authority. And that's why we all 
are responsible to study the Word of God ourselves. We are to seek out those who can teach us how to understand the Bible, how to study the Bible on our own, how to understand what is written to us and what is written for our learning, how to understand what happened in the past, what is happening right now, what is going to happen in the future, and how to read, and we can read them in the appropriate context. Look at what it says in verse 14 of Ephesians 4. It says, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. People just trying to get your money, get you to jump churches, get you to change what you know is real because God showed it to you in your life because you tested the word that you studied and you found that it was true. Look at what it says in verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, speak that word again, love. We don't just speak the truth. We speak it in love. We grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. See, this is saying there's only one head in the body of Christ. That is Jesus Christ himself. We can't make ourselves the head of the body of Christ or some leader or some other person. Jesus Christ is the only head. The rest of us are members of the body playing a role, playing our part, fulfilling our purpose, whatever that purpose is. Verse 16, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, rose and built itself up in love as each part does its work. So, each part has to work together in order to grow and build itself up in love. See, love is the thing that develops the body of Christ. We are known by our love walk. And when we do not walk in love, we are being talked out of our blessing. We are being tempted and drawn away and lured back to that old dead man carnal nature. And God needs us to step away, dead man, <laughs> to that dead old man, that old dead nature. Look what it says here in First John 1. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and you testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie 
and did not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So what are we to do? We are to love God as he loves us. We are to love one another as he loves us. And just as he has forgiven us through the blood of his son and purified us from all sin, we are to forgive who transgress against us so that our love walk can be perfected, so that we can receive forgiveness because we learn to forgive. See, understanding that God has called us to live free, to walk free, stand freely in his blessing is something that we have to become adapted to an environment of freedom where we understand that it is our love walk that makes us free, our ability to share in the sufferings of Christ because we know that we're also going to share in the glory of Christ. But if you don't understand that you're suffering for a purpose, then instead of sharing in the sufferings of Christ, you might be tempted to do this on your own. Do it yourself. Christianity is nonsense. <laughs> Why would God ask you to do something that he's already done for you that you can never do? Why would God ask you to do something you can't do? That's why his son, Jesus Christ, had to be sent into the world three times with 39 lashes, nailed to the cross, pierced with a spear in his side, laying in the tomb for three days and three nights dead, could raise him from the dead and seat him at his own right hand and give him all power in heaven and earth and under the earth and send the Holy Spirit to dwell in you and I so that we then, could be supernatural beings on earth just as Jesus Christ is supernatural. And that in that great day when Jesus Christ is sent by his Father to come and claim all that are his, we'll meet him in the air, we'll be transformed, and we will be like him, and we will see ourselves for who we really are. So we're lived by the Spirit. This all takes us back to Galatians chapter 5, where it says, You, my brothers and sisters, in verse 13, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. See that? Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. You know, do we not see that these days in your church, in your family? 
in your community, this lack of love is creating fear, is creating illness, is creating disease, is creating mental illness. Say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with, with, with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, actions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Against such, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying each other. Those are very specific instructions that we've been given. We have a privilege and we have a place that we have to occupy because there are people who are looking for the children of God to make themselves known with signs, miracles, and wonders. We are those who believe in the word of God. Because we believe, signs, miracles, and wonders will follow us because this is real for us. We are to pray for our brothers and sisters. We are to walk in the Spirit so that we can become a unified, mature body of Christ. We are looking for that day when the evangelists, pastors, and teachers are activated in our church assembly so that they can equip the people of God for the works of the ministry. And we know that the work of the ministry is reconciling the world back to God. We are all, every born-again Christian is a minister of reconciliation. So if you told every person who says they are a minister, they might look at you to say me, and you can say yes. You are a minister of reconciliation. And that big, big fancy word reconciliation means you are called to bring those who God called to be with him back into the body of Christ because they were called before the foundations of the world. That means that when God called them, they were with him. And then when Adam sinned, they were removed from him. And now that he paid the Christ price for them, when he redeemed them by sending his son Jesus Christ for them, and he paid the price with his blood and his broken body, that means all we have to do is bring them back. we got to go get And when we, as the ministers of reconciliation, are completing that work of service, because the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have equipped us to do that, then 
it says the body of Christ will be built up and we will reach the unity of the faith and we will grow in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's where we're trying to go. That's where God is developing us. That's where this thing is heading. But know that it's going to require some pressure. It's going to require some sacrifice. So don't be afraid. Walk in love when things get hard. The Bible tells us that we are to comfort one another. And as we comfort one another, the Holy Spirit comforts us so we are not concerned about our own trials and tribulations because we know that as we focus on comforting others, the Holy Spirit comforts us. We will always have our needs met when we are serving God and doing what God needs us to do. I'm going to play something for you right now that I believe will bless you. Close with a song of praise. From the Spirit Alive Network and Tuesdays with your host, Lester Carver, be you transformed and just listen to what he has to say. It says, it is written. These are the key words to our battle, to using the sword of the Spirit, is when the devil comes at you with doubt, worry, fear, temptation, lies, deceit, cunning craftiness, anything to shake your foundation, you have to recall what is written. You have to be able to say to the devil what is written. But if you do not study to show yourself approved as a workman of the word of God, rightly dividing the word of God, then you will be disappointed in your expectation. You will fall short. You will be vulnerable to those attacks of the devil. You will be vulnerable to the fiery darts of the devil. But your shield of faith you can put up to block the fiery darts of the devil, and you can resist the devil with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, by saying, it is written. And Jesus Christ knew exactly what to say. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In verse 5, it says, then the devil, so the devil's not stopping, he says, then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on his pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands he shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now, it's interesting, the devil's quoting the Bible here. He says, okay, if you want to quote the Bible, I'm going to quote the Bible, but I'm still going to tempt you. And you see how the devil's not afraid to use the Bible. He will use it to his advantage in order to position you to fall. But then Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. <laughs> so there is a greater truth, and you have to understand that when you study the word of God, it will not be able to be used against you because you will know exactly what God said, exactly what God meant, exactly who God was speaking to, and exactly what applies to you. Now, in verse 8, he says, again, now the devil doesn't stop. This is the third time. Again, the devil took him on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, 
All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. What's interesting here is that three times the devil came against Jesus Christ with temptation. And three times Jesus Christ resisted that temptation with the word of God by being able to say what is written. It is written. And that has to be our response. But if we don't study the word of God, then we will not necessarily be prepared to to say what what is written. What does God say about what the devil is saying right now. So now I want to discuss the battle of 